2019 Summit Q&A Replay, Balancing Automation and a Personal Client Experience with Sam Malai, Maddie Martin, Dave Ahrens, Jan Roos, and Seth Price. Episode 179. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit With Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10X Effect, Moshe Amsel. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Profit With Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and we are continuing these uh, replays of the 2019 Summit's uh, live Q&A portion. And today is a snippet from day two. Day two was our sales day. Um, and uh, this Q&A, I think, had the most number of speakers on the speaker panel that came to the live Q&A. Uh, this particular question that we're playing um, does not have all the speakers speaking in it. So we just listed the names of the speakers and the title of the episode. Uh, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the voices, they're not introduced as they're uh, saying their responses. They're not all introduced as they're saying their responses um, to the question. Uh, but hopefully, if you follow in chronological order, it's, they basically go in order of the questions. Now, why are we sharing these Q&As with you? Well, we want to give you a taste of what you can experience at the Law Firm Growth Summit because our event, at the time that this is getting released, our event is the next day. Our event is tomorrow. Uh, so I'm not recording this on Monday, but it is getting released on Monday, February 8th. And uh, the Law Firm Growth Summit 2021 kicks off on Tuesday, February 9th. Now, we have lined up an incredible array of speakers, 35 in total, and uh, an incredible list of topics. We're super excited about everything that we're bringing to you, including the experience. Uh, We recently announced that we're going to have a live concert. We're going to have a live country band playing on stage at 8 p.m. Eastern on the first night of the event. Uh, We're going to have a live Q&A. This time we're just doing one, but we're going to have a live Q&A on the second night, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And we have a full slate from 10 a.m. Eastern to 6.30 p.m. Really packed schedule for you. We, We built in breaks. We want you to be able to get up and stretch. But we have a lot of information to cover to help you grow your practice. And um, if you've been sitting on the fence trying to figure out whether this is something you should attend, uh, now is the time to make a decision. And one of the things that I harp about on this podcast all the time is that the thing that separates the successful uh, law firm owners from the ones who uh, struggle and try to to uh, succeed at their goals but uh, year over year and just don't seem to be making progress, the difference between the two is primarily taking action. It's primarily the ability to make a decision, get out of that point of indecision, make a decision and move forward. So uh, most of my listeners probably are already signed up for the event. But if you're one of the people who has not been sure whether this is something that you want to tune into, um, make a decision. This should be your first action that you take on your road to a brand new beginning for you. Uh, We have some really amazing stuff for you. So 
We're going to go into a question that's asked by uh, attorney Michael Ziegler. And uh, one of the things that Sam Malai in his talk on day two covered was how you can automate your sales process. And um, he basically said, hey, look, um, you know, I'm going to be thinking about automating my firm, but I'm afraid I'm going to lose the human connection, that touch point that I have by doing things manually. And that sparked a great conversation. And you're going to get to hear that now. So before I jump into the q and I'm just going to move over to uh, our sponsor of this podcast and just play a quick uh, t- um, adver- advertisement of them for you. Uh, please listen to them. They're, you know, One of the reasons that we're able to do this for you is because of the financial backing that we have from our sponsors. So we want to uh, we want to make sure that you give them a shot, try them out. So we're going to go over there in a second, but real quick, Get your ticket now free at the lawfirmgrowsummit.com, lawfirmgrowthsummit.com. Also, the link is in the in the description of the episode. The link is in the show notes, lawfirmgrowthsummit.com. Let me share an exciting tool that I recently came across that is a game changer for law firms that bill hourly or by the project, otherwise known as flat fee billing. The 2020 Legal Trends Report published by Clio rates how important various items are in a client choosing your firm. You may be surprised to know that the third most important decision factor for someone choosing a lawyer is the ability to pay with a payment plan. The challenge that law firm owners face is the risk of a client not making good on that payment plan. Most attorneys don't offer payment plans because of that. The problem is now solved with LawFunder. LawFunder allows you to easily add a payment option to all your client invoices and retainer replenishment requests. That does not require credit checks, applications, or any other complex process. The client's able to use their existing credit cards, allowing them to earn points and miles, access credit card specials on interest rates, and any other tools they use to manage their cash. When I saw this tool, I was blown away. Most importantly, it removes all the risk from the law firm and makes an easy and painless process to the payment process. So if you want to check off the box on one of the top factors in new client decisions, if you want to decrease your accounts receivable and get paid immediately, LawFunder is the solution. Go to lawfunder.com. That's lawfundar.com forward slash profit with law to learn more. So uh, terrific presentations, everyone today. Some some great content and, and stuff that was genuinely insightful. So really appreciate all the efforts. The, the question that I posed on Facebook is directed towards Sam, but I'm sure there's a few folks that that could really add some value to this. And it's striking the right balance between automation and client interaction. So um, particularly in line with Sam's theme, you know, I'm a believer in automating as much of the the practice as, as you can, but I find that there's a tipping point where of course the client is paying us for a service. They want kind of the traditional, um, connection with a professional where they want someone that they can talk to and feel like is engaged in in their case. And so the question is, you know, how do you strike that right balance between automation, but also client engagement where they're, they're, they're feeling the love, so to speak. Thanks. So I, um, it's kind of counterintuitive because you think automation actually takes away from that personalized service, but actually, if you think about it, it could improve your system and actually improve your customer service, how and why it's through 
optimizing exactly your messages that you're, sh that you're sharing with your clients over time. So let's just say I have an EIN server, something where it's very standard. I basically first have to get, their, get them to answer some questions. I fill out the paperwork. I send it back to them to, to, uh, to sign and scan. I get it. I tell them very specific thing, what, what they should expect next. And then in two or three weeks, they get the result. So that communication, all that back and forth has been optimized over time to be very straight to the point and give, be very clear on that process. And that's being optimized over time. So the past, so I could say that in the past four years, I've, I've tweaked those emails and things that I say to make it as smooth as process and make it as efficient and, you know, as, as possible. So I think in the beginning, when somebody hits you up, you, that's where you want to be the most personalized. So that means you take whatever that they're, that they need to personalize that and you send that off. But after that, from that point on the follow-up system to the actual, um, the onboarding system to, to offering to you taking care of their service that could be optimized over time to, which actually helps the clients uh, overall. Does anybody want to add to that? I would love to add to that. Um, I completely agree. I think the technology um, reduces human error and it makes us more accurate and faster. It also can provide a competitive advantage. So we have a client, Justine Nichol, um, who's in much of the Facebook groups. Uh, she's a maximum lawyer and I've presented with her CLEs and what she's done, I know like her intake process pretty well, is basically she is a criminal defense attorney in Colorado. And what she's been able to do is serve clients who need such a fast turnaround time for her to appear in court the next morning that like they contact her or a family member contacts her or a friend. They fill out, they give the information. They basically are able to, you know, work with them to sign the agreement that triggers automatically an invoice for payment. And as soon as that payment is made, she gets to work on the case and she's able to show up at court the next morning. Like there are very few people who can create a system that screens, qualifies, retains, and takes payment for work that efficiently. So she's not only able to show up, but she's working with the clients who she wants to serve and who really need help in a situation where not a lot of people can come in and, and assist. Maddie, we have a question from Rachel in the chat. She wants to know how she does conflict checks that fast. She actually has, I think, someone to help do conflict checks. We're actually doing conflict checks now, so we'll be able to assist with that for clients. Um, but I can find out more information on that. That is an important part of the process for obviously criminal defense, family law, a lot of different areas where you need to make sure that your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed there. Yeah. And the, and the practice area is important because some practice areas, conflict checks are really a, a non-issue. So, right. uh, you, you know, there's certain practice areas where there's no adversarial party. There's not really much of a conflict anywhere. Uh, anybody else have us, uh, if you have something to add, just raise your hand. I don't have to go around the room for everybody. I know that there's some people who are not on video. Uh, Dave, let's go to you. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the interaction with the client is always needs to be personal. When we're talking about being an attorney and a counselor of law, uh, that's, I think that's something that we've seen lost in some online software programs is we've lost the relationship between the client and the attorney. And so where attorneys I've, we're seeing, at least in our network using automation is not in, because I think a lot of people, when they think of automation, they think of like a cold robotic process where they're losing that connection. Uh, whereas when we think about it in terms of automation, automating streamlining intake, document assembly, 
follow-up reminders. It's usually the things that are, how do we take this information and process it into the infrastructure that, it, that we have to work in, in in that local court? That could be the forms. That could be, how do we get this information from the client, get it into those forms, get it into the practice management software? Um, how do we do the things that we're maybe, as humans, not necessarily as good at in terms of sending series of follow-ups, reminding ourselves to do things that we otherwise might forget, right? And so these are the things that um, might fall through the cracks or might just take longer than they should. And a lot of times what we're talking about is data entry, uh, collecting information from the client, putting that into forms, uh, and then also setting reminders and so forth to make sure we're meeting deadlines and these types of things to make sure that whatever mistakes we might make in the past, um, we have reminders and backups and redundancies to, uh, to prevent those things from happening. Uh, and also just overall uh, streamlining the things that we're going to be doing repetitively over time. When think of, people think of AI, they think of it as like some robot that's going to like solve all these things. But really what it is is just as you do things more and more over time, you don't have to repeat those things because your process becomes better and better. And so the things that are repetitive um, just become done automatically over time. And that just makes us more efficient so that you can focus more of your time on interfacing with your clients and practicing law in the courtroom and of course reviewing the documents and, and, uh, and uh, working with them instead of, you know, having to write, write forms and do things that take time and, and take you away from the inter interaction with your clients. I have an update from Justy. I just texted her um, so that I could get the answer to that question about the conflict checks. She said that she uses Google Sheets and she has an admin assistant who does it when they get the consult. So they actually ask upfront for names and other related people, um, anything re related that would be um, found in a conflict check. And uh, the admin assistant does it as soon as the consult comes through, which she does for free for the first 30 minutes. And then she charges after that time. Um, so that she has all the information at intake to kind of like handle the entire process and it doesn't get delayed. Okay. So uh, Rachel asked a follow-up que question. So she doesn't have a large firm to screen. It's primarily her. Um, right. It's a, it's a two-person practice. Um, it used to just be total solo. Okay. I would imagine that you can scale that process. In other words, that once you're using a database uh, to be able to do your conflict checks, if you're entering, like let's say you're using Clio as a practice management software, if you're entering everybody that you've uh, had a relationship with in some way or another as a contact, then by searching for the related parties in your database, it'll pop up and then you can try to figure out from that, that hit what kind of relationship you had with them. Uh, so there's definitely a way to leverage the technology that you have to still do that, even if it's a larger, uh, a larger firm. I'd like to get uh, Jan's uh, uh, input on this question, uh, specifically on the sales side, because I know that you talked a lot about automating the follow-up uh, process. And uh, what do you think about this touch point, uh, you know, the, the in-person or, or personal touch point versus uh, a lot of the automation you talked about? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to kind of think about just hold, hold in your mind simultaneously these two complete polar opposites. You've got the one, like, let's call it just legal Zoom, end-to-end -end robots, you know, there's never any human interaction. And on the other hand, you've got, you know, the complete most old-school, old-school solo ever who does everything that you could possibly do. And honestly, the answer, I think, depends on 
where you are in, in your career and also, you know, the highest and best use of your time. Like um, if we kind of take the example out of the law, um, let's imagine that you're going for heart surgery. Would you be particularly miffed if the surgeon wasn't the person who answered your phone? I, I'd probably guess not. And I'd also say if the surgeon was the person answering the phone, it would actually cause you to doubt how serious they were instead of the other time around. So I think on some level, um, doing a lot of the follow-up yourself can actually be negatively uh, perceived. So the other thing too, though, is that, you know, I, I think people have a different bandwidth for this kind of thing, follow-up being one of them, but just also human interaction in general. Um, I don't want to assume that everyone an extrovert and if you got 40 conversations you can have in a given you know you know a week let's say uh it's probably better off if those are interactions that you're having at a higher level um i would say a consult or stuff that you have to do that's really really key to the case that no one else can do so i mean this is kind of old school e-myth stuff but you know whatever the highest and best use of your time is is what you should be doing it on personally i think follow-up is something that it, it helps to have a personal touch but my opinion opinion is that it's outweighed by just kind of the tedious nature of it. And for the most part, you know, a lot of these experiments that we've been running with clients, it's like the follow-up itself is what's driving the results. It's not some clever turn of phrase that only you could do. So I think for the most part, you're probably getting most of the benefit from doing it period. Um, and also kind of on the point that, that Maddie was saying earlier, it's like, you know, it's a, a lot of these things are very easy to slip through the cracks. So my overall kind of response on that is, is I generally think it's more valuable um, I guess deeper in the funnel, if you want to look at it for a marketing perspective or, or higher up in the value chain, if you want to look at it from that perspective. Okay. And I think Maddie has something more to add. Just really again. fast. Um, so I totally agree with you. Uh, I also think that it doesn't just have to be lawyering work. So what we often hear is I have enough time. I just hung my shingle or I'm not fully booked yet. I'm not, I can answer my calls myself. And the fact is like, there are a lot of things that only you can do that you're really great at. So like building your network is one of the most important things that probably only you can do. That's really hard to outsource. Maybe it's writing and building your community online and offline. There are a lot of things that if you have the benefit of time right now, it still isn't necessarily the case that you should be using it for these other tasks like answering the phone and emails. The second thing I'll say is that Lead Docket showed that it takes at least six attempts by phone, email, whatever contact you wanna use, text message to get full confidence that you have exhausted the attempts of converting that client with a high confidence interval. So six times for every single potential client is really unsustainable for you as a single human being. The third thing is about setting expectations. So if you, in the beginning, are setting the expectation with these clients who you're working with right now that you're going to be responsive. God help you if you're answering calls with your personal cell phone number um, and dealing with unknown numbers, not knowing if they're spam or if it's a great potential client. What ends up happening is over time, those people who you were delivering that level of service to continue to expect that, but your bandwidth and your ability to deliver actually goes down. So if you start out sort of like fake it till you make it, um, where you have someone who is um, handling your calls or you automate on your website, not staffing it yourself, but actually having an AI chat that responds or whatever the case may be, outsourcing it or even bringing someone in part-time, you have the ability for, to have a system you're building right now to scale. And I think Carol Williams is still here and she said something great in an AILA webinar we did for immigration attorneys, which is that she looks at software and services that she can grow into. And I think that that's something that's not 
often espoused enough. I just want to check in with Seth because I can't see if you're raising your hand. Do you have any input on this question? I mean, we, I think everything that everybody's, uh, you know, thrown out there so far that the idea of adding automation for efficiencies are great. I think that most of the time I, the answer is depends and that the higher the price point and the more dear it is to get a lead in that the personal touch sometimes can outweigh automation. Automation is getting better and better. And if you are not going to touch somebody, I'm a fan of automation rather than nothing. But if the value of a client is such that you can afford something that may be old school and not automation, that I'm a big fan of staying away from a drip when a phone call could convert somebody. And that's sort of the cost benefit that I, that I struggle with with my own firm. All right. Very good. So I, I'm going to um, close out this question with just a final summary of what I understood from all the panelists. And uh, what that is, Mike, is that automation is the key to not dropping the ball. Automation is the key to stepping up the game with your customer service and providing a stellar experience for your client, but not at the expense of completely eliminating the client relationship between the attorney and the client. So there is a place a time and place for those in-person conversations. And you need to think really carefully about where is the best use of that time to make that the biggest and most impactful uh, time together with the client. Uh, I can tell you personally, I engaged an IP um, uh, firm in order to uh, protect the Law Firm Growth Summit brand. And they're almost completely automated. I had an initial conversation with the attorney at the front end of it. And any other conversation happened through uh, uh, their CRM uh, chat you know, feature. Uh, so I, although there was a, a point in time where there was a back and forth that I said, you know what, this would have, would have been nice to just get on the phone and get this resolved instead of being back and forth for three days in a, in a, in a chat conversation. At the same time, I recognized that every time I sent the message, I got a response within a few hours, you know, so I really felt like they were on top of my, my business, even though, you know, they probably are serving a bunch of other clients at the same time. So I do think that the consumer also understands what's going on. And if you make sure that you get the right balance between the automation and, and the handholding, and remember that conversations through other mediums are not eliminating the client touch. So if you're talking to them through email or chat, it's, it, it, although it's not personal, it's still better than nothing. So the biggest gripe that people have with their attorney relationship is I send them a message and three weeks later I get a response. And this, you know, that's where automation can really help you to eliminate that feeling and to make them feel like you're on top of it, even if it's not a, a direct in-person thing. So Mike, do you have any further follow-up questions? No, I don't think so. Great feedback. Uh, appreciate the insight from everyone. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.